Hello, Saints. When you're watching this, it should be Sunday the 17th. And um, I think today is the 6th. Mm. It's Wednesday. So we're recording this. And if you're watching this, then we're somewhere in Malawi. And hopefully all of you are together in fellowship and in love. And we'll be missing you right now. Mm. Okay, so today we're going to focus in on the value, the value of the kingdom. Um, we've been walking out a sequence of uh, teachings that's focused on what is overcoming, how to overcome. We base our study on the seven letters in the book of Revelation to the churches. And um, we try to understand, and we're trying to understand together and help each other understand what is overcoming? How do we overcome? Why do we want to overcome? And in essence, develop an overcomer's heart. Mm. Um, it's one thing to have a value system that we should overcome. It's a whole nother thing mm. to have an overcomer's heart, to become mm. an overcomer. You become an overcomer. It becomes part of who you are, what you do. And um, in the beginning, it's just a value system. Most of us will learn to overcome uh, because somewhere in our walk we stopped overcoming, we didn't overcome and we moved back. We, most of all, us learned to overcome because things went wrong, because we didn't continue in what we were to continue and that's how we overcome. Now, when you speak to most people about overcoming, they will automatically think, oh, we overcome hard times, we overcome uh, mm. Testings. It's maybe overcoming fin financial difficulties or sickness. Uh, sickness. No, that's not what we're talking about. This is spiritual overcoming. Mm. This is continuance. This is progression. This is steadfastness. This is what we're speaking about when we say overcome. Circumstances might cause pressure and triggers. But overcoming is not overcoming difficulty. It's not that. In order for us to understand that very well, we're going to look at the value, the value of the kingdom. Let's see what the word says about it. You can page with me to Matthew chapter 13. And we'll start reading from verse 44. Yahushua says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Right. <clears throat> so the important part of this parable is the fact that Joshua says the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. Now this parable actually goes directly against the uh, doctrine that's widely taught in the Christian world that says God's love is unconditional. Uh, his salvation and his grace is a free gift and if you just open your heart and invite him in then you can receive everything. He wants to give everyone everything and those who are willing to accept will receive when in this parable, the Lord clearly says the opposite. 
He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So, in truth, the kingdom of heaven is going to cost a person everything. And this also goes against the entire uh, prosperity kind of idea. This is also goes directly against that. Because the prosperity concept says, if I give something, then I receive back twofold, threefold, fivefold, tenfold, where the Lord is making no such guarantee. This is to gain the kingdom of heaven, it's going to cost you everything. That's what it comes down to. And then he continues in the next parable and he says this basically comes down to the same thing. And he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now we're not going to look at why it's a pearl. It's nonsensical to try and figure that out. The fact of the matter is that there's a treasure that a person found. They valued it enough, or realized rather, that its value was of such um, magnificence that they were willing to sell everything that they had to purchase this treasure that they had found. And this is true for the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's basically what it comes down to, and it's not more complicated than that. Um, for those who have, for those of us who have realized what the treasure of the kingdom, or what the value of the kingdom is and the value of this treasure is, for those of us who have um, realized and experienced the value of this treasure, there's really no further interpretation needed here. For those who do not understand the value of this treasure or the value of the kingdom, then this parable probably won't make sense. But for us that know and has experienced the value of this, it is now a season where the Lord is uh, making us aware that He wants us to stop, reconsider, relook and understand again. We want to give ourselves to a process of fully understanding again and, and, and comprehending the value of what we have already. Mm, exactly. Because remember, for those of us who have come through baptism, we have made this transaction. So, when we, were, when we went into the water, died with Him and were resurrected into Him, He poured out His Holy Spirit into us. And remember, His Word says that He does not give the Spirit by measure. And we also understand that the Spirit contains the entire kingdom of heaven. Yeah. So in fact, we have received everything the moment that he poured out his Spirit into us. But for this transaction to be valid, we all that went through baptism understand that it cost us absolutely everything. We had to lay down and give over and surrender our entire lives, all of our thoughts, all of our actions, all of our emotions, uh, all of our time. So, so we want to encourage you. We are trying to do this as simple as possible and just highlight what is important here. The kingdom of heaven, he says, 
is like. He's talking about in one guy the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is like something that the Lord tells us should be acquired, should be had, yeah. and it will take everything you have. It's very important for us to pause for a moment and truly consider this again, remind ourselves again, because overcoming is nothing other than becoming steadfast. Mm. Actually, the whole process of overcoming is learning to stay put. Mm. Return, repeat, redo, stay where you are. And why can we stay where we are and yet progress? Because the staying where we are is to stay in our positioning in Him. Mm. In the first letter we saw, which is the seventh letter, we saw that we are now seated with Him on His throne. And He comes in and He dines with us at the table. Mm. Now this is the transaction, being successful. Yes. But for us to come and buy this treasure, you have to come with everything past present and future now it's very important now to focus and to shine a light on that everything you see what we've got to understand is that when i came to the baptism water i understood that my life was worthless uh, in the moments before and during baptism we understand that all we want all we need all that is of any importance is that he will accept us mm -hmm. And that we will be resurrected in Him. Mm. So eternal life, being with Him, having relationship with Him, being right with Him. All of that in, uh, is, is just rolled together into one a huge conviction mm. of, I just, I'll do anything for this. And I'll sacrifice anything for this. And in those moments uh, of preparing a person for baptism, we are so um, convicted mm. of our sin of our need for salvation, because that is part of the process. But we need to now take into account, factor in to the account, into our balance sheet, that when you came into the baptism water, you came with the future. With other words, everything that He is going to redeem out of your life. And this is what you're also bringing to... Uh, broker this transaction mm. the transaction is he says you come empty-handed and naked and poor and he will save you by grace because this is his will and he will justify you but your commitment is that i'm going to surrender everything i'm bringing everything everything is yours everything that i am is yours now and then he makes you new and he puts his spirit in you so that you now can live the life that you live for god and the time has come for us to really just focus on this again. What does that mean? Mm. Because now you go through the first few months, the first year, the first three years, the first 10 years. And we appreciate the fact that we have eternal life and we do enjoy the, 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 the relationship with the Lord. But we cannot afford to forget that when I wake up in the morning, the day that I'm about to go into was part of what I had promised, part of what I had 
brought as, as part of my payment. So I'm down paying, I'm making down payments on what I had already bought. So when you wake up in the morning, that day that you're about to go into belongs to Him. With everything in it. And especially your mind, your thoughts, your attention, your words, your deeds and your works, your motivations, your person belongs to Him. But because your person belongs to Him, means that everything in your life belongs to Him. Mm. And you now have the responsibility to manage on His behalf or represent in your life His holdings. What is in your life belongs to Him and you're supposed to now manage it on His behalf. Mm. Now, as we move into this covenant relationship with Him, we will start to prosper in health, prosper in mm. all our relationships, prosper in our ways, and our lives become orderly. Many, factor, many parts or aspects of the kingdom of heaven starts to manifest in our lives. And so what actually happens is that the increase belongs to Him. And this we need to remember as well. We grow in wisdom. All that wisdom is given into your life because that was what you will pay back for what is given you. All increase belongs to Him because the deal was in baptism that if you forgive my sin and you resurrect me, the life on earth belongs to you, all of it. The whole package, the whole, whole portfolio belongs to Him. And, and, and we just struggle to understand that. We struggle to get a hold on that because mm. it's so difficult long term to remember that everything. So your children, if you get saved and your children are uh, of the ages three or five years old, you come for salvation, but your commitment is that all aspects of my life belong to you. It's dedicated to you. So the way you raise your children is part of the price that you paid it's for the treasure. The transaction. Mm. Now, we might say, well, I got a free gift of salvation. And he gave me his Holy Spirit and, and I'm just loved. Could be. The fact is that you can't get past... Mm. these things that are written and the reality is then we get to the end of the book and now he's going to talk to us about overcoming mm. and the overcoming is that process of bringing everything back to him yes every aspect every challenge every good thing and every negative thing every bit of growth mm. in your life everything mm. that's developing in your life to figure out ways to bring that back to conform that back to him to redeem it back to Him. We are partnering with the Holy Spirit to redeem what develops in our lives back to Him. That's His kingdom coming. And so now, as life develops, we have to be mindful on a moment-to-moment -moment basis that the time that's stretching out in front of me today belongs to Him. Yes, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to work to earn a living. And I am selling my time to my employer. But 
God knew this when he purchased us and he's going to work with it and he's going to use it. Mm. But we've got to understand that time belongs to him. Mm. Your wife has to understand your time belongs to him. Your husband has to understand your time belongs to him. Your children has to understand your time belongs to him. And if we start to lease out mm. parts of what belongs to the Lord to our children, or we meet out the Lord's portion to others, then it's going to start costing us. That is why there's consequences mm. to not overcoming. Mm. I also just want to reiterate, obviously when the transaction took place, a price was agreed upon. In this case, there's no chance of in three years' time, or in five years' time, or in ten years' time, when we feel that circumstances have now changed, Oh, my life has now become better. Uh, there's no chance of renegotiating at any stage because he didn't give his spirit by measure. He gave everything from his side and he's faithful. So for us, the transaction was made and it cost us everything. Let's go to John chapter 4 verse 23. So here we see that the Lord himself and, and this links in, link this in with John chapter 3, where he makes very clear that a person has to be born again. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Now that's part of what happened in the water. Part of our daily reality is mm. that I was born of the Spirit, so I'm Spirit. I can't now be flesh. And then he says here, Um, verse 23 of chapter 4 in John but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth this gives us another look on at the responsibility mm. that we have. The Father calls us to Him and He's going to give us His Holy Spirit, but we should worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so we have times and moments when we worship Him in spirit. Those are acts of active worship, but the rest of the time we should worship Him in truth. And we know that the only truth that exists is His written word and the truth that is embedded in these words and so literally living veering outside of the truth of God is withholding worship from him sure. in any way that we want to compromise on the truth in the written word of God we're withholding worship from him that which belongs to him exactly so now all our time and attention power and might and strength and health and our mental abilities belong to him for the service of worship so we make as much time to spiritually worship him in the spirit and the rest of our lives when we're at work and dealing with normal life things we should worship him in truth and when we don't when we compromise or when we don't want to walk in full a full measure of truth mm -hmm. That's when we are taking worship away from him. And that is going back on the original agreement. Mm. So we're negating on our responsibilities. Wow. 
And this all links into overcoming. This is what it boils down. Remember now, in the first letter, it says you've left your first love. And this is what it looks like. In those first moments of absolute surrender, all we wanted to do is give him everything. When it comes to a point three months, six months later, when we don't want to give him everything, that's the opposite of that moment of uh, complete and utter love. It's very easy to understand. It's not difficult to understand. And remember, we have been we have been looking for a few weeks now at the concept of buy from me gold refined in fire, and we have been uh, sitting with the concept of uh, what is the gold? What do we buy? What does it cost us? And so we see that all of this comes back to the same point of origin again and again. Now, I personally want to rejoice because, see, this wouldn't have been written if I wouldn't be in um, a position of being able to pay the price. He wouldn't have offered me a deal that I'm not able to honor. Mm. It means that actually I, I should be able. This is where overcoming comes in because the overcoming is us stepping into what he's going to enable us to do. Stepping into a process where we're saying, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but because you set this as the parameters of this relationship, mm -hmm. I'm going to believe that you're going to lead me into this. Yes. Um, and so we, as we look at the different aspects of overcoming, remember this, that... He's speaking to us about this as if we should be able to do it. Yes. As if it should be fulfilled. As if this is, it's not a, he's not expecting too much. He's just expecting it all. Not more. Just all of it. Take time and meditate on what it means or what everything means. Because it's everything. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. That somebody is willing to give everything to have. And I just want to point out that in that parable it says, so which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So just to point out again, there's that, that joy element. He can actually purchase the field with the treasure. It's going to cost him everything, but he is going to gain the treasure. So it's a joyful transaction. He's full of joy mm -hmm. regarding that. Okay, so let's, let's focus again on giving everything. There's another story in the Bible that gives us a, a, an insight into the concept of bringing everything. And I think in our modern mindset, as the church, we... We, we struggle to fully grasp and understand this part of it, giving everything. Um, when we've given much, it can so easily feel as if we've given enough. And, it, and we in no way are doing this teaching because we're saying you need to give everything to the church. <laughs> we're not saying that. That's another message for other people. Mm. We're saying that we we committed everything to the Lord. We committed everything to the Lord. You committed your house, your finances, your children, your relationships with your family members, 
Friends. your future every day and every moment and all your time and all your mental capacity and all your attention mm. and all your energy and all your strength and, and all your, your dreams heart. and all your hopes. You've committed all of that to the Lord. Now, this is difficult to grasp, but this is part of the overcoming process. Because mm. we were seated in heavenly places. He came in. We opened the door. He came to sit down at the table, and he's not going to go home after a few hours, and you get your home back. This is it. And we're doing this teaching because the reality is that we've seen how people can start off after the baptism. All they want is the Lord. All they want is Him and His Word and so on. But then the process starts where He says, Well, you, you, I've given you your entire inheritance. I've released to you your future in me. I've released your destiny to you. I've released your... The relationship with me is what I've given you. You have it every day. You can have a relationship with my Holy Spirit every day. You can access wisdom every day. You have access to the Father through the Spirit all the time. I'm your protector. I'm your provider. I'm your God. And then he releases us into this process where he says, basically to us, now you need to learn to live out that destiny. You need to live from the inheritance. Yes. You need to grow in wisdom. And grow into your inheritance. Because yeah. remember, the inheritance that He gives you is, is potential. And as we grow and develop and allow Him to conform us and have Him formed in us, we gain access into that which He has given us. So so He's saying you need to grow into the wisdom that, that I've given you. And... You need the word that I've given you access to. Mm. Now you need to grow in understanding and in the ability to live it out. Mm. Uh, you need to grow and mature into what I've already given you. The relationship with the Lord himself is a growing relationship. You've got to grow into that relationship. So yes, in the beginning, there's this fervor and passion that we want to spend time with the Lord, get to know His Word. It's so wonderful and we want to just be with Him. But He's going to go like, we're not going to stay in this form of the relationship. It's mm -hmm. going to mature. Mm -hmm. It's going to become productive and it's going to become purposeful. A relationship with the Lord that's not purposeful will very, will very quickly become a relationship based on what people think it should be okay so he will he will take us into a process but very often that fire that burns so hot will start to smolder mm -hmm. and die mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. that boiling hot uh, state of being becomes lukewarm and this is the thing that we really want to emphasize because we've seen it happen mm -hmm. and the way that we're going to keep that from happening is that we are going to start reminding ourselves of the value. Mm. Why was I so convinced that I had to die and be resurrected and be with Him? The value of it. The value of the kingdom of heaven. The value of Yahushua Himself. 
the value of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit, but what's the value of learning to actively, vitally interact with the Holy Spirit all the time? What's the value to you? What's the real equity in it? If we just look at the time that it will take, the effort, the focus, the self-sacrifice, is it still valuable enough? Mm. Where we are today in the way we're living right now, because our value system is we love the Lord. Mm. But right now, if you look at today, yesterday, and the day before, is the value of living with the Holy Spirit Mm. still such a high value that it is... Um, directing all your steps and all mm. your ways. Mm. The value of Yahushua, the Word of God, the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, serving mm. Him right in the way that you should. The value of the Kingdom of God, seeing it manifest in your life and in others' life. The value of your positioning in Him. You see, we can say, yes, my value system is that because being positioned in Him is everything. But then we're going to quickly get off the throne and go somewhere else to do something. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be sad. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be bad. Mm-hmm. Just something that doesn't involve the positioning that I have in Him. It could be just spending time with a family member talking nonsense for three hours. That is going to reflect back at what's the value of me being positioned in Him. Would I leave that positioning to just have a nice relaxed three hours of talking nonsense with a family member or with a friend? Because that's what it boils down to. Then, the value of the body. Mm. The value of the body. We're not even going to go into that. This is going to be unpacked over all the teachings that we're doing. The value of the truth. The value of the truth, and and this comes back to how much are we willing to change the way we read the Bible to to establish truth in us and not feed our flesh. There's so many applications, the value of the truth and then the value of the will of the Father. How much are we searching for His will? Mm. Just His will. Not when we have to make a decision. Mm about work because then we search for his will are we searching for his will the rest of the time so the value of his will we want to launch ourselves into a year of learning to be aware of the value of these things because it's overcoming because mm. remember there was a time when we perceived the value of these things and it was worth everything and the question is, and this is where it comes to, where we get to overcoming, is like you said today, yesterday, the day before, and tomorrow, am I going to look at these things and will it still have that kind of value? Because it's supposed to. And this is how we get to the overcoming. Let's look at another scripture that talks to us about um, what practically happened when somebody thought they could bring a portion and it would be enough to the Lord. Mm. So this is in Acts chapter 5 
So we're going to start, we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Yahushua, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold... Was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And then we know that the same thing happens to his wife, Sephira. Now this is what it says also in the same vein, just after the, the, the beginning of the church, the Holy Spirit is poured out and um, people are baptized. And it says, this is how they begin. Now, just try and see in this piece of scripture the phenomenal change in the way they lived, the way they, they did their days and their value system just changing so dramatically for those that were baptized initially. It says, um, they ask him, after he testifies to them on the roof, on the roof of the house uh, on the day of Pentecost. Um, and they ask him, they said, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yahushua Mashiach for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the of the Holy Spirit. Mm, chapter two, verse thirty-eight. For the promise to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The promise is to you and to as many as God will call. And then it says, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, "Be saved from this perverse generation." Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, as a fellowship, I believe we've come quite a bit of the way from where we started off. Because we started off where the Christianity had just 
um, moved so far away from this kind of uh, understanding the value, shifting value system. And we started a slow work of correcting this, and I think we've come a long way. Mm. But just so you know, we are already moving in a direction to put things in place to go further yes. with this process. We are moving into positioning ourselves even more in accordance with what happened in all of our baptisms. We are we are going to start living more in line with the true value mm -hmm. of what we've received. Just so you know. That's why we're doing this. Okay. And then, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. It says in the previous verse, then fear came upon every soul. There were wonders and signs, but it says that now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So they start off like this. But then this incident happens where these people, they do bring mm. a significant contribution. But they don't bring all. And this is the state of the church in our day. Uh, Christianity has come to a place where there's not even a concept of bringing all. It's not even a reality. It's something that if you had to tell people today, bring it all, they'll go, you're crazy. You're a sect. Yeah. Go into any church and go, well, you know, the Lord wants everything. All your time, all your attention. All your possessions. Cancel your daughter's um, uh, ballet classes. Cancel your your children's soccer and rugby for the year. The Lord wants everything. Anybody that sees this and hears this is going to go, these people are crazy, I want to stay away from them because that's, you know, that's not practically possible. Well, practically possible uh, is something that, that didn't exist when it comes to forgiving all sin, raising someone from being dead in their sins and giving them eternal life and a positioning in heaven. And so, uh, when it comes to the value of something, mm. um, our approach will very quickly expose what's, what's really in our understanding and in our heart when it comes to that treasure. The treasure was found and it was worth everything and the man gladly with joy would have sold everything to have it. Um, and this is where we want to very simply focus our attention in this teaching. We want to ask the Lord to go deep into our psyche and deep into our heart and help us to adjust of what we understand as the value 
mm. of what we have. Now, I'm speaking here to a fellowship that has gone far and beyond already. Yes. That has moved um, into a positioning where I think we value the things of the Lord practically more than most. And yet the Lord is speaking to us about mm. our value system. Our value system. And the value system comes through in small things. And that's where we want to pay attention. We know that the value system in general tends to focus on big things. Mm. So we're going to say, yes, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is worth more than anything to me. But it's going to be proven in the way that we pay attention. That's as simple as it is, pay attention. And this is the, the, the area in which we are battling the most. When we let our doubt that we might be carrying around, the doubt that we are accepted, when we let that um, affect the way that we conduct ourselves in fellowship, then that not overcoming the doubt is going to have far-reaching consequences because we have, it says we have to overcome. Because if we start nurturing and feeding the doubt mm. about being accepted, then we're going to fall from our first love in a way that our attention is going to go to me wanting to be more accepted, me wanting to be more loved, more seen, I want to be given more opportunity, more chances, and um, then it becomes about me. And that's falling from the place of first love. Mm. In this case, the consequences were dire. These people wanted to partake and share in the blessing that the whole body congregation were enjoying. They were sitting in the company and in the presence of the apostles being taught the things of the Lord. They were being taught by the very people that, as, that were walking together with Yahushua on the earth. They might have had an opportunity to listen to John describe <laughs> the crucifixion. Yeah. They were together in a place where the Holy Spirit wasn't moving anywhere else in the world. Yeah. This was a concentrated area where the Holy Spirit was moving. Yes. And they wanted to be part of the blessing, part of the covenantal blessing, part of the fellowship, part of the closeness, part of being close with the Lord and, and loved and growing in wisdom. They wanted all of that. They just didn't want to pay everything. They didn't want to sacrifice everything. They wanted to have a plan B. This doesn't work out and we still got something to fall back on. And I am going to say this now. In this fellowship, there's a few people that has already allowed the enemy to plant in their thoughts that there's always a plan B. And um, this is going to cost each one of us if there's a plan B. Because we see, in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, they weren't willing to give everything as they said they would, so the Lord took everything forcefully. Now, we never use fear tactics. No, we just say no, it as it just, is. That's 
But we want to watch out because we're still talking about overcoming here. Yes. That's why we're saying. And part of the strategy for overcoming, part of understanding how to overcome is getting the value system right. So we know that we have the value system, that's our general value system, but to getting the value of the actual things in our life, understanding it, re-evaluating. Mm. So re-evaluating things so that the kingdom of heaven will have its true value. The ways of God will have its true value. Um, the Lord will have its true value. Uh, the people in the fellowship would each have their true value mm. as the body of Messiah and the general body of Messiah would have its true value. The work of the gospel, its true value. Mm. The work that the Lord is doing in you in various areas, its true value. Mm. And, um, and I think this is part of our growing into godliness is adjusting the, 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 the way we evaluate everything. Because the Father valued the body, the church, what was on earth in a fallen state enough to give His only begotten Son. This gives us some starting point to start to understand. But it's going to take a process of adjusting. A process that we need to embrace and continue in. Don't think, well, I've done that. It's a process where we keep pushing the boundaries and we keep saying, Lord, I need to understand this concept. That this person that keeps annoying me in church was valuable enough that you would give your son. Help me get this. Help me understand this. Help my heart understand this. The person that is so stiff-necked and stubborn and self-focused, that's what you were willing to pay the ultimate price for. He didn't come to just die for the ones that are doing well. Mm. He came to die for the ones that he chose. Exactly. And the Bible, we can go through the scripture, says he came for the sinners, he came for the sick. And um, he came and said, the prison is free. And we know that's us. But right now we want to focus on that value system that's communicated through his action. Now, my value system can be, yes, I believe in the value of each person. I believe in pursuing the lost. I believe in fulfilling the Great Commission. But practically, the way we walk it out in principle the way we walk it out in works, the way we do it practically in our action, the way we respond in our action, that's what's going to actually be the evidence mm. of the reality of that value system. Now, none of you and none of us want to look at that equation and go, my value system is, yes, kingdom first. And my action says, well, there's several other things that's first in line. And when I have to make the decision today, I'm going to say, no, I'll rather grow into it. I've still got 10 years. And, and, and we're pushing boundaries here. We're pushing boundaries for you and for us. Now read that 
Kingdom of God first scripture again. Let's just look at it. Okay, so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Okay, so seek the first the kingdom of God. That's one of the toughest scriptures in the Bible to comprehend, to embrace. It's a matter of fact, you don't read it and go like, yes, that's what I'm doing. It's it's scary stuff. Go like, Lord, convict me, help me understand, open this up, open my understanding, help me to come into the reality of this. And the Holy Spirit will give us opportunity to practically uh, walk that out. Because we just simply cannot go into our day and just pursue the kingdom of of God. Um, a lot of people think they're, they're fulfilling the scripture by preaching the gospel to anything that moves. And they think that they're pursuing the kingdom of God by just trying to get people saved. That's not what it means at all. That's not what it means at all. Okay, Pursuing the kingdom of heaven is the reality of that... Him being formed in us, us being conformed to Him, uh, worshipping Him in spirit and truth, walking in the spirit, overcoming in these things, being seated with Him in heavenly places, loving the body the Mm. right way by keeping God's commandments in the way that God says, Mm. fulfilling the Great Commission. That's all of that is is pursuing the heaven, uh, the kingdom of heaven, and righteousness. We we have spoken about this. Now, let's look at that mustard seed before we end oh, with yes. this teaching, please. Okay, so we're in, back in Matthew chapter 13, and uh, we'll read from verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Again, yesterday when we were ministering to the police officer, we had to do something at the police station because of a a little fender bender. But it was an opportunity. We ministered to these police officers, officers for more than two hours. But the guy started off by saying, yeah, people complicate uh, the Christian faith or serving God just too much. Um, he prefers just having faith like a mustard seed. Now, this is how these things can be misunderstood. Yeah. Now, it says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a mustard seed. Now, in that lies so much of a mystery. Mm. So the kingdom of heaven literally comes and it's planted in your heart in the smallest way. But it's not supposed to remain that. It's not supposed to remain a seed. Mm. Okay, now, firstly, the seed has to be planted. And then that seed keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. It becomes the biggest of trees. And this is the point with the kingdom of heaven. It should be exponentially taking up more space. Exactly. 
on a daily basis. So tomorrow when you wake up, it should have grown to take up more space in your life. If we carry on and the things of God is taking up exactly the same amount of space and time as it did five years ago, something's going horribly wrong. So the deal with God is, I'm going to go into the baptism water, you're going to resurrect me. In the moments I come out, He's all in all. All I am is clean and kingdom of heaven and focused on God. Now He's going to lead us into doing the works because remember in the, in the letters, He's going to say, I know your works. Do the works you do that first. Um, and he's going to start a process where his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit doesn't stay the same size in you. He comes in, he's a size that you can handle. You are born as a baby, reborn. You start growing and the Holy Spirit starts growing in you. And as he's growing, he's pushing everything else out, filling more space. That's the kingdom of heaven. Now that tree is going to grow and grow and grow. So the kingdom of heaven is going to take more of your time, more of your attention, more of your finances, more of your energy, more of your thought life, mm. more of everything. Where does all of this end? He should increase. I should decrease. Where does all of this end? Are we really willing to let it go then? And when? Somehow we think, well, one day when I'm older. No. What if he wants to fill all the space as soon as possible? And, and I know some of us has made these decisions. I'm well aware of the fact that some of, us, some of us has been saying to him, Lord, take it all, take it all. And we really, I know, I trust the hearts of the people in this fellowship that we are there. But sometimes we need to just confirm it again and we need to remind each other again. We go like, don't keep that little space one side for yourself for too long. Um, don't keep those rooms in the back of... Uh, it's not there anymore. It's another teaching. Sorry, I get confused because we're doing several teachings. There's another room in the back of the room that we leave the table for, don't go there. But anyway, so we will go from here and we're going to look at the talents quickly. While we page there, it's in Matthew chapter 25. I want to refer back to something you said earlier about uh, if you speak to you generally, if you speak to any Christian um, and you tell them that they're supposed to give everything then you know there'd be some reserves because it's not practical. Um, if you, you you mentioned like saying, well, what if the Lord wants you to give up your daughter's ballet and your son's rugby and all of that? Um, ironically enough, uh, what I've found is that they they answer using this parable of the talents, saying that oh, but no, the Lord doesn't want me to give up everything because He's the one who gave me these talents, so I should be using it. Um, because otherwise it would be an insult to him. And they, they twist it around to justify or excuse the fact that they're not giving up everything because they want to believe that the things they're wanting to hold on to was given by him in the first place. Um, I just thought that was quite ironic. Mm. Okay, so we're in Matthew chapter 25. 
And we're going to read from verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So you see, this walk brings us to a place where each and every person that's truly saved will find a treasure of great value. And we'll bring our lives and lay it down and we'll buy that treasure. The deal is, I'm bringing my life, I'm bringing all that I have, but the deal is that I'm going to buy it with future income, with future time, with future life. Future growth. It's all that I would have had, but most people don't understand what that is. We're hoping for more, we're hoping for a better life, we're hoping for... Because that's why normally we come, we realize we've messed it up, we are a mess, we're in sin and we want to live uh, a prosperous, forgiven uh, life. Mm. But it's that life that you're bringing to buy that treasure with. This is something that most people don't fully realize. It's all the moments, all the seconds, all the minutes and all the hours of that life. It's all the relationships, all the interactions and everything that you're going to own and earn and spend that you bring. And it now belongs to the Lord. And then he's going to give it back to you. And he's going to say, go out into the world. Now he's going to send you and he gives you of what is his. And he's going to give you faith and he's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you a vision and he's going to give you more strength and more courage and more rest and uh, that's going to grow in you it's going to multiply mm. 
Understand this, that everything the Lord gives you, He's going to want back with interest. This is something that the world doesn't really understand. He gives of what is His, and He wants interest on it. The person that buried it and gave him back exactly what he gave, he didn't accept that. He wasn't happy with that because he wanted interest on it. He wants more than he gave you. And he wants more than he gave me from me. And as I'm growing, he wants interest upon interest. If he gave you a day, he wants you to multiply the time in value. If he gives you relationships, he wants you to take that relationship and multiply the value of it. If he gave you children, he doesn't want you to raise normal children that's going to go off in the world and live normal lives. He's going to want you to multiply the value of it. Everything that you have now belongs to him and he gave it back to you and he's going to want you to multiply the value of it. Whatever you experience in the spirit is for you to take and then multiply it in value so that it can become the kingdom of heaven on earth. The talents that is spoken of here is he gives of what is his and he comes back. So there was an interaction. He came and he dealt with each person personally. There was a deal and an interaction, a transaction made between the Lord in the presence of that person and that person in the presence of the Lord. And we've all been there and it's wonderful. And we walk away from that with so much more than we had to begin with. Because see, when I brought my whole life, all I had to him, to the baptism water, to purchase the treasure of the kingdom of heaven, to receive eternal life, I brought to him a broken life full of sin. And he takes, he says, okay, bring bring everything that you have. Bring your your belongings, your abilities, uh, what you have been qualified in, your career, your knowledge, your um, experience. Bring everything you have. Now we're going to deduct the value of the sin of your life up until now. We're going to deduct it from the value of what you brought. So we deduct the value of your sin. Then we deduct the value of your doubt and unbelief. Then we deduct the value of the fear and anxiety that I'm still going to help you with in the years to come, in the overcoming process. We're going to deduct the value of that. Then we're going to deduct the value of um, your selfishness and your idol worship, your idolatry. And we're going to... And then, then that's what you're going to buy with. So you start off with a zero in this deal called baptism. Not a minus, just a nothing. And then everything that you have after that, he added to that. He added to that. But it belongs to him. Mm. You get to live it out and you get to go out into the world with it. But the minutes, the time, the hours, the relationships, the gifts... The mental abilities, the wisdom, the strength, the power, the knowledge of the word, that all belongs to him. It's what he gives you. Because you started off with a big zero. And he gives it to you. And all of that, he wants interest upon interest upon interest on. And we're willing to do this 
Because the value of the kingdom of heaven, the value of knowing the Lord and the value of being filled with His Spirit, the value of understanding His Word and the value of the relationships with the body is high enough that we would take a deal like that. I'm going to end up with nothing. Everything you give me, you're going to want interest upon interest on. I'm bringing every day and minute and every bit of my life as surety to gain this thing called the kingdom of heaven, the relationship with God and with his body, because we understand that the value of the body and of the kingdom of heaven is enough that I'm willing to trade everything that I'm going to have on gaining that today. Is this what we did and where we started off? This is where we truly started off from. And if we did, then we need to remember. Mm. See, those who don't make it through the baptism water are mostly because they never either, they never understood the value of what's happening or they wasn't willing to pay everything. That's all for now. Amen.